You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be your host today as we talk with Perry Noble about leadership. Woohoo! <laughs> That's what it's all about. Before we get into today's uh, subject matter, I really want to take a second since it's now 2011 Woo-hoo. to make sure you guys get a chance to sign up or save the date for two great things coming up uh, this year at New Spring Church. The first is Unleash. Woo-hoo. Perry, talk about uh, Unleash. Uh, 2011 on March the 10th. What do people need to know about that? Man, that well, first of all, the main auditorium is already sold out, uh, but there are still tickets available for our youth facility, which if you're thinking about multi-site venues, that's, that, that's the place to go check it out because uh, it is it is definitely not a step down, and you still get a Chick-fil-A lunch. So um, 49 bucks unleash.cc you can register uh, and I'm and those tickets are going fast I mean they're going to go fast and so we we're ho- we think we'll sell that thing out too yeah let me just add to that that if you come to uh, New Spring Church and attend in the video venue our, our fuse building our student ministry building you still have access to every breakout everything that's available to the folks in the main house you have access to that you simply have to uh, sit in this venue which is uh, an awesome experience too so it's amazing yeah don't don't let that keep you from coming you need to be here it will not be broadcast live on the web so if you want the content and the breakouts you need to be here uh, at new spring in anderson south carolina secondly i want to make sure that everybody marks down september the 8th 2011 on your calendar Perry why would people mark that date because NLC we did a conference last year called NLC we're doing it again this year it's one day seven speakers we're starting at eight o'clock in the morning we're going to six o'clock at night and it's um it's a one day leadership deal the the speakers this year are going to be myself along with uh Judd Wilhite Mark Driscoll Judah Smith Stephen Furtick Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle, all in one day. We will be selling headache medicine at the end <laughs> of the. Um, we should probably give that away. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be one day, seven speakers, and the opening price is going to be ninety nine bucks. Not ninety nine bucks. That's so going to be the early bird rate. And man, I'm telling you, I, I am pumped up. First of all, that I don't have to drive very far for this conference. Right. I don't even have to get on a plane. But uh, you, I, I, last year was phenomenal. You can go on unleash.cc and check out. You can watch all those videos from last year, and to have um, and to have it again this year is an unbelievable privilege. And we we think it's going to sell out pretty quick. Yeah, make sure you mark your calendars September the eighth, and if I'm right, on January the seventeenth. Uh, we will actually start selling tickets for that $99 price. You want to get them. Unleash.cc. Unleash.cc. You can find all the information there. And that is a really a great segue into today's topic. But before we get into our conversation, Perry, I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to listen just to a snippet of how you introduce today's topic. Listen to this clip from New Spring Leadership Conference 2010 from Perry Noble. You have your Bibles. Um, turn to the book of Joshua. If you don't have your Bibles, um, Pastor Mark will rebuke you for that in a little while. Um, Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6, there's an interesting story. Uh, um, and Joshua is one of my favorite leaders in the Old Testament. 
Now, up until this point, there had been some cool things going on, right, in Joshua's life. Joshua had, um, Joshua had had an incredible Bible study with God in Joshua chapter 1. Remember that one? Do not fear, do not be terrified, and all that stuff. And, 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 and then chapter 2, he sent the, the spies to the land of Israel. Remember that? And have you ever found it funny or interesting, we never preach on this, that the spies wound up in the prostitute's house? Like, do you think that was by accident? The Bible tells the truth about these guys. It wasn't like, oh, you do what? Oh, well, what a coincidence. I mean, anyway, so I'm just, another sermon, another time. Joshua chapter 3, they crossed the Jordan. Remember that? In Joshua chapter 4 and chapter 5, he, the, the Bible says they all had to get circumcised, and the Bible literally said that Joshua had to circumcise every one of his men. You think you've got a bad job in leadership? How would you like that one? <laughs> hey, send the executive pastor in here. Hey, Bob, this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me, I promise. But toward the end of chapter 5, something really interesting happens. It's just something that kind of stands out to me. And, and this, is, this is the point I'm going to make. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make one point today, and, we're gonna kinda, and then we're going to have 17 sub points because I'm Southern Baptist at heart. Um, we're going to make one point, and, and this is it. And this is the thing that I've I'm, I'm really been wrestling through this whole year. And it's before God, before God wants to do something great through you, he wants to do something great in you. Before God wants to do something great through you, he wants to do something great in you. I think the reason God may not be doing a lot of great stuff in our churches is because we as leaders are not letting him do great things in us. Perry, in that you make a really profound statement where you say, before God wants to do something great through you, he wants to do something great in you. And after you make that statement, you say, if we really want to understand this principle, the fact that God wants to do something great in us before he does something great through us that we need to wrap our minds around two words recognition and then submission once you talk a little bit about those two words why you included them in your talk uh, before we get into the Q&A one of the things Shane I'm learning about leadership over the past um, especially 10 years of being a, a senior pastor that um, re- is that recognition and submission are essential to godly leadership in the local church um, recognition is simply recognize who Jesus is. I remember uh, reading through the um, book of Acts, and when Paul gets knocked off his horse, um, one of the questions he asked was, uh, who are you, Lord? And I don't think as a leader we can ever stop asking that question. Who are you, Lord? Because the more of, Je- the more of um, himself that Jesus reveals to us, um, the more faith we'll have. Uh, I will I will not follow a God that I think is small and can't lead me through what I'm going to go through. But when I begin to recognize Jesus as, oh, wow, I mean, I mean, it's easy for us to go tell our people as sovereign, he's sovereign, but when we recognize him as sovereign, it's a game changer. Because uh, we, as a leaders, we probably all preached something that we really hoped was true. Um, Man, I hope this is true because I'm going to tell the people about it. Um, but at the end of the day, when we begin to recognize Jesus as who he is, we'll do what he says, mm-hmm. which leads to submission. Um, we will never submit to a God that we think we're more powerful than him. But when we recognize that, that God is way more powerful than us, he's bigger than us, he loves the church more than us. He has greater plans than us. He's bigger than our biggest screw-up. Let me say that again. He's bigger than our biggest screw-up. Um, when we recognize those things and then we place ourselves in a position of submission and we're just like, hey, I'll do whatever you want me to do, that, in my opinion, is an unstoppable leader. 
That's good. You know, I'm going to just get right to the to the questions, Perry, and again ask specifically, why is recognizing who Jesus is so important for a leader? Well, it's kind of like when we recognize him, like when you recognize the person of Jesus, you recognize several things. First of all, um, he had a heart for lost people. Um, as a leader in the local church, I think if we don't have a heart for lost people, then we're leading our people in the wrong direction. Um, number two, he had compassion for people. I think compassion is huge. That's one of the areas that I have to pray, God, increase my levels of compassion. And by the way, when you pray that, he will. Um, we have to recognize that um, he was pretty much unstoppable, that nothing could stop him. He went for a walk on water. Uh, that that's, that's, that's a pretty big deal. I don't know anybody that's pulled off that party trick. Um, that I mean, that was unbelievable. Um, when they killed him, he came back from the dead. So he's a leader that did not give up, literally. Okay, when, normally when you kill somebody, it's over, and, they, and you just can't kill this guy. He keeps coming back. So once we begin to recognize these qualities of who Jesus is, like he didn't waste time. He, I mean, he, unbelievable the way he poured into people. I mean, I, there, I, could, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but I think our leadership um, doesn't go to its next level until we begin to recognize the person of Jesus. And let me say this. Let me say this. I'm not against reading business books. I'm not against taking principle. I mean, I have read Good to Great. Um, I've I've read. I mean, I've read the business leadership books. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is our model for leadership. And if we ever place anyone over Him, um, well, I mean, we created an idol, and it just goes bad because God always destroys idols. So anyway, that's good. You know, you you listed several things. He had a heart for the lost, compassion for people. He was unstoppable. Came back from the dead. Um, never gave up. Do you think that uh, anyone that Jesus um, calls into leadership, that he's going to give them a pass on any of those things? Or do you think he set the example for us to actually follow that? I, I think if, if he can – I mean, I think he can set the example for us um, so that one day we get to stand before him. And he was fully God, but he was fully man. So we don't get an excuse. We don't get a pass. Like, you can't, you can't be a butthole – to the people you're supposed to lead and then stand in front of Jesus and him look at you go hey well well done well done I mean Jesus wasn't a butthole so yep. we couldn't I mean that's a sermon series right there somebody ought to Jesus do that Jesus wasn't a butthole Jesus a wasn't a butthole you know the other thing he was you mentioned here he wasn't a quitter and I'm reminded of his time in the garden where he begged God if there was any other way let's do it yep. but he stood up from that moment set his face toward the cross and he did it and so I'm just wondering what kind of encouragement do you get out of that for not giving up uh, when you know that your your Savior did the same thing? Well, first of all, you got to acknowledge that every, every leader listening to this podcast right now who is honest would have to admit that they have wanted to give up, probably on multiple occasions in the course of their ministry, especially a senior pastor. We, we want to get – we call it Monday um, <laughs> or Sunday night, depending on how late you go to bed. And um, it's one of those things where we're, we're like, man, I, I really want to give up. I want to give up. These people, um, there's a blogger. Somebody tweeted they don't like me. Somebody put a negative comment on my Facebook. And it gets kind of crazy until we realize that, that one of these days we're going to stand in front of someone, being Jesus, who had a much tougher assignment than us, and he didn't quit. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing Bill, Bill Hybel say that. One of these days, we'll stand in front of someone who had an assignment much tougher than us, and he didn't quit. 
That's a good enough reason to not quit. I mean, the Bible says in Galatians 6 and 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, I love the Scripture. It doesn't say we might reap a harvest. It says we will reap a harvest. And so um, that's that's one of the things I would encourage leaders to do is, is not give up um, because what you see as major opposition – another leader might come along and look at it and say that's major opportunity, mm-hmm. and it probably is. That's good. You know, on one side there's leaders who deal with quitting, and, and the Lord would ask us to persevere through that. But on the other side there's leaders who deal with maybe trying to move forward too fast. Right. Uh, in, that, in, the, in that vein, uh, in, the, in your talk, and again, I encourage everybody to go listen to the whole talk in OC 2010 from Perry. But in that talk, you point out that Jericho was a one-time event, Mm -hmm. and it was just the beginning of what God wanted to do through Joshua. Why should leaders take notice of that? Well, because I I think we try to box God into a formula way too fast. I'll put it to you this way, Shane. If if, If the Jericho, what I call the Jericho miracle... Okay, because it is a miracle when a city falls and everybody in it. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty much a miracle. We've never seen that. So if the Jericho miracle would have taken place in today's society, a publisher would have found Joshua. They would have said, can you write a book on how you made that city fall? Um, Joshua, let's say he writes the book, and then he goes on a speaking tour. Now, let me, let me be very clear. Nothing wrong with writing a book. Nothing wrong with a speaking tour. Not, n- nothing is wrong with any of those things. But then the book of Joshua stops at Joshua 6. Um, Jericho, listen, the, the miracle of Jericho, the way the Israelites took over Jericho, God never told them to do that again. They never took over another city by marching around it six days, and on the on seventh day they marched, marched around it seven times. God said, I want to do something unique among you, but you go back. He did something unique in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 4 and 5, and then in Joshua chapter 6, he did something unique through Joshua, but it, God's not a formula. God is not a formula. And so the way he did it with Jericho didn't happen again, which translated into today's society, we will see something happen unbelievable in our church, and instead of celebrating that miracle and moving on to the next thing, we'll try to imitate that miracle over and over and over and over again. We call it revival. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that works. I, I think the church needs to get out of the habit of trying to imitate the miracles that God is doing. We simply need to praise Him, thank Him for those miracles, but then move on to the next thing that He wants us to. Because Jericho was the first city in many cities that God wanted them to take over. But had they handled that, quote, success the way we handle it today, um, they, they would have never taken over the promised land. It's really good. You say that, you know, if that had happened, that Joshua uh, would have stopped at chapter 6. You know, it made me think that, that God not, does not intend to write a chapter about our life. He wants to write an entire story. That's right. And so we've got to be ready to go to the next thing. What do you think leaders want to bypass all the early steps, all the initial things it takes to see what God really wanted to do? Why, why are we so quick to want to get by that? Because it's hard. It, it, it's, really, it's really hard. Like, I've had people say, um, hey, Perry, I want to speak at New Spring. And I'm like, I bet you do. 
I mean, it'd be awesome if you spoke at New Spring. But my question is, would you have wanted to speak at New Spring when we were 15 college students on a Wednesday night at 11 o'clock? Um, that that's that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, one of the things that um, I think leaders we see and we hear these stories of success all across America and even the world now, and we want to emulate success rather than follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. We want to emulate success rather than follow Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus and recognize him as the leader, then you've got to be willing to do whatever he says. I mean, we, we lose sight on the fact that the apostles, okay, the apostles did amazing miracles. They preached sermons. They saw unbelievable things take place. But what did they do when they were Jesus? What's some of their task? Um, Jesus tells two of them, go get a donkey. And they're like, and neither one of them went, do you not realize I'm an anointed apostle? They were like, hey, you said go get the donkey? Jesus sat, sat 5,000 men down and told the 12 apostles, go feed them. I'm sorry, Jesus, I don't do, I don't do food. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're not reading about them. They were willing to do everything. They were willing to do whatever it took. We're doing a series in our church right now. We'll still be in it on David and Goliath. One of the things that a lot of people lose sight of when it comes to David is he actually got to the battle where Goliath was because his father told him, I want you to take this cheese and this stuff to your brother. And David didn't go, I'm sorry, Dad, but I'm the anointed future king of Israel. I don't really do cheese and goat's milk. But he was willing to do whatever it took, and because he was willing to do the small things, God placed an enormous opportunity in front of him and he capitalized on that opportunity, which propelled him into the kingship. And one of the problems with leaders today is we, um, we, we think so many times that we're entitled to success and what, what, like we are supposed to follow Jesus and capitalize on the opportunities, even the ones that don't have a lot of recognition with them. Mm, that's good. We're going to talk about Joseph and something you share in the talk specifically of Joseph taking the initial small step. But before we get to that, I want to just ask you this uh, for the leaders here listening. What helps prevent us from missing these initial steps that God wants us to take? Um, one of the things that I think that's helped prevent, prevent it for me is realizing that God has called me to be unique. And every leader out there, God has called you to be unique. So when you go to a conference, it, I'll take this back just from my personal experience. There's a lot of things I've done wrong as a leader, but one of the things I've done right as a leader is when I go to a conference or when I read a book or when I listen to another speaker, I I don't go, oh my gosh, God, I want to do it just like they did it. I don't, I don't, I I call it um, a lot of leaders buy into imitation over revelation because it's easier to imitate a move of God than it is to get direct revelation from God. So I'll look at conferences, and I'll walk away with my idea. I'll walk away with notes. I'll walk away with sermon series ideas. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be somebody else. I want to be who God called me to be. And I think the encouragement that I would want to give every leader listening to this podcast today is this. I mean, you've got to be who God's called you to be. Yes, absolutely. Get other ideas from other people. I do all the time. But at the end of the day revelation from God over imitation of the church eight days a week. It's, of course, key to that, Perry, I'm assuming, is your ability to hear the voice of God. Right. And so how can we grow in our ability to hear God's voice? Um, one of the things, man, this is huge, that we've got to be willing to do to hear the voice of God is um, two things. Number, number one, you got to have your time with God every day. 
And your time with God has to be, um, God, what do you want to say to me, not what do you want to say to my church? Because some leaders get so obsessed with what God wants to say to their church um, that they don't hear God's voice anymore on their own, and they refuse to confess and repent of sin, and then you're reading about them uh, in the paper. So you got to have your personal time with God, begging God for what does he want to say to you, you got to practice confession. You got to practice repentance. You've got to you've got to do these things. But then on the flip side, um, you've got to create. And I'll say this for leaders: you've got to create some margin in your life to break away and do something you enjoy and catch your breath. Now that sounds like the most ungodly leadership uh, concept imaginable because I've had literally people say, well, the devil don't take a day off. And I'm like, he's not supposed to be your example, you moron. Um, he, I mean, lit- literally, we're not supposed to follow that guy. So you got to break away and take time to just catch your breath. Because I, I don't know about you, um, but, but when I am not trying to think about great ideas, um, it seems like I have great ideas. And when I'm sometimes when I'm in the most relaxed state, I feel like I can hear God's voice. Because um, so many times in Scripture, God's voice is a whisper. In order to hear a whisper, you got to lean in. Mm-hmm. And if we're going 900 miles an hour, we can't lean into the voice of God. I don't care who you are. No one can do that. So I, I, I remember reading through the Scriptures and finding it fascinating that Jesus and Peter one time were having this conversation about uh, the temple tax, and Jesus said, should we pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yeah, we, you know, we should do that. And Jesus sent, said, well, hey, why don't you go down and catch a fish and open its mouth and pull the coin out and go pay our taxes? And I, it's always been fascinating to me how Jesus sent Peter to do something he enjoyed. And once Peter was doing something that he enjoyed, he found treasure that he would have never found had he not been obeying Jesus by doing something that he enjoyed. And I think... Um, in fact, I shared this concept recently with some of our leaders in a retreat that about twice a month, a leader needs to break away and do something that he or she enjoys, um, not that his wife, not, not that his or her spouse enjoys or kids, but just something that, you know, if it's fishing, if it's watching a movie, if it's, um, you know, I, I don't know what chopping girls wood. enjoy. Chopping wood, which I don't know why anybody would enjoy that, but some people do. Um, but you, you break away, you relax. If you're a girl, maybe you can go get a pedicure. If you're a guy and you go get a pedicure, don't tell anybody because you should be smacked in the face open-handed. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm just going to say I'm just going to say that you've got to do something that you enjoy and break away to catch your breath. And, and when I say create margin, because I used to say this, well, one of these days I'll have the time. If you're a leader, you're never going to have the time. You've got to make the time to break away. Yeah, that, that's good. You know, and it, as we strive and work to uh, rest, which is a silly thing to say, but it's what mm-hmm. you're saying. You've got to create margin so you can rest and enjoy and hear from the Lord. So if we start to hear from the Lord clearly, the second part of that equation that you mentioned in your talk is to submit to that, to actually do what God's asking you to do. Let's say a leader uh, is hearing what God wants to do or, or what God is asking him or her to do. What keeps us from doing it? Fear of man, hands down. Number one, number one thing is fear of man. Uh, fear, you could say fear overall, fear of failure. But from what I've noticed is is the the people um, that people fear people. And the Bible says in Proverbs that I think it's Proverbs uh, 
29, 25, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it is that fear of man is the snare is, is the snare of death. Mm. And it's, it's true. I've seen a lot of leaders die on the battlefield because they feared man more than they feared God. And that is a man. That is a dangerous danger. Oh, Perry, you know you don't understand. If I do this, so and so will leave the church. If I do this, so and so is going to be mad. If I do this, so and I'm like, you know what? So and so might need to leave the church, and so and so might need to get mad. It's good for people to get mad every once in a while. And kind of clears the system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I need to get mad right now. Uh, anyway, I, I just I, I I just think that fear of man stops people. I mean, go go all the way back to First uh, Samuel 15. When Saul was told, go wipe out the Amalekites. I mean, I'm talking God told Saul to go kill an entire nation. Um, that, that's a fun Sunday school lesson right there. So Saul goes to do it, but he doesn't do it. And in that text, in 1 Samuel 15, he literally says, when Samuel asked him, why didn't you do this? He said, because I feared the people. So he didn't obey God because he feared the people, and the result was God removed his anointing of leadership from Saul because Saul could not be trusted to do what God told him to do because he feared the people. That's good. You know, I mean, if you are in fear of what people may say or do, then you have violated your first point, and that's recognizing who Jesus is. Yeah, I mean, good gosh, man. Noah, God tells him to build a boat. If Noah would have feared the people, we would have all been screwed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, seriously, we're all dead because he doesn't build the boat. You can, there has to come a point where you literally go, I'm going to fear God more than I fear man. One of the things um, you talk about, Joshua, uh, in your talk, you share the story of when uh, Joshua uh, was confronted with God and, and he just said, you know, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. And you mentioned in there, and I don't want to take some of this, I want you to talk about this, but basically that God wanted to touch the nastiest part of Joshua with his most holy part, um, or with his holiness, I should say, because he wanted to see if he could trust Joshua with, with something small before he trusted him with something big. Uh, talk about that. You know, when God, when God tells Joshua, that's so powerful, take off your shoes. Just take off your shoes. I mean, I, I've always looked at that as, or well, you know, Joshua probably was like, what do you mean take off my shoes? I mean, don't you understand? I'm Joshua. I'm, I'm Moses' boy. You know, I'm, I'm leading this thing, and I've got important things to do, and you want me to take off my shoes? Like, for real, you want me to take off my shoes? And I think if God can't trust Joshua to take off his shoes, then God can't trust Joshua to lead the battle of Jericho. And so many times, and we alluded to this earlier, God will test us, I believe, in those small things before he'll give us the next great thing. And so um, I would just challenge leaders, because this is, once again, this is from my personal life. This isn't me talking down to anyone. That anytime I feel like I've hit a leadership roadblock from what does God want to do next or what does God want to do in the church or what does God want to do as far as a sermon series or whatever, I always have to stop and go, all right, God, um, obviously I'm not getting clear direction here. What are you wanting to do in my life? And usually it's a... Um, well, you know what, Perry? You've been a jerk to your wife lately, and you need to go ask her for her forgiveness, and you need to repent. Or, you know what, Perry? Um, you've got this deal going on in your life, and you probably, you know, you need to deal with this. Or if you've got some unforgiveness issues, Perry, and 
we're going to have to work through that before we can move on. It's always – with me – now, I know there's probably exceptions. With me, when I've always hit the roadblock, it's always been something small, um, seemingly small. If God says it, it's not small. But something seemingly small in my life that I've got to walk, work through before greater things come. Yeah, contrary to a book that was written, you do need to sweat the small stuff. You do need to sweat the small stuff. Uh, Perry, I want you to share with our listeners some of your take-off-your-sandals moments, whether it was – starting this church or adding a campus or anything just a couple of episodes where you know that the lord has asked you to do something at the time um or i should say looking back it was small but it led to something big yeah i mean i guess the first one of course is um and there's so many but the ones that just are naturally popping in my mind right now is the decision to start the church and man i just didn't i just didn't i was scared to death and it was fear of man but it was more um, fear of failure, like I don't know what I'm doing. I, I didn't graduate from seminary. I dropped out. I, uh, man, I, I just don't, I just don't have the knowledge to do this. And I had a friend ask me at a lunch the day I decided to. In fact, it was at this moment it just clicked because I've been wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And he asked me the question that I've repeated so many times: What would you be willing to do for God if you knew you could not fail? And that question changed my life. It like I can look back on that moment and go, that question changed my life. And because I looked at him, I said, I'd start a church. And he said, You're a coward if you don't. Mm. And I was like, Taking off my shoes was making the decision to start the church. And I look back on that, and man, there's man, I'm so glad that God put that guy in my life to ask me that question. It was it. Red Lobster over Cheese Biscuits. I mean, it was just it was just point blank. Um, the, the second one is when we had to hire our four, first full-time staff member, Lee McDermott, our worship leader, who's still with us, and we couldn't afford him. We did not have the money. Um, and we quickly learned if it's God's will, it's God's bill, and we brought him on. And for two months it looked pretty bad financial-wise, and then God did, did some financial miracles that just blew our mind. Uh, moving from the original building to the Fine Arts Center at Anderson College, now Anderson University. Um, we were meeting in a facility that sat about 120 people. We wanted to move to a facility that sat 1,100. We needed about $45,000 to do it. And when I say we didn't have 45000 like we, we weren't even close. And we raised about twenty five and had to borrow the other twenty. And it was, it was a take-off-your-shoes moment. Uh, because going and borrowing twenty thousand dollars when you have to personally sign for it is huge, and um, man, I, I, I tell you that was a, a God thing. Um, you, I could go on and on building the Anderson campus that we have, um, starting the Greenville campus, starting every campus. It's been a, it's been a. All right, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And I've just decided this, man. I at the I'm going to stand in front of Jesus one day. And I don't want to stand in front of him and list out a list of things that I could have done. Um, on the flip side, I don't want him to list out a th list of things for me that I could have done had I simply been obedient to his voice. At the end of the day, if I screw it up, I screwed it up trying my best to follow Jesus. And so I'm just going to try to listen to his voice and do what he says and, and just let the chips fall where they may. I don't have, I don't have an elaborate strategy for the next five years other than listen to the voice of God and do what He says. That's my strategy. That's good. Well, that's worked pretty well since the beginning of time. Well, here's the thing, and let me close with this. 
we pretend that people in the book of Acts knew what the heck they were doing. Okay, let, 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 me, let me be very clear. Paul did not plan his missionary journeys. He did not open his Bible to the back and see those little arrows about where he was supposed to go, and then he went there. He just went from city to city because people were trying to kill him. So he'd go to this city and they'd try to kill him. He would flee to another city they'd try to kill him there. We pretend in the book of Acts that they had this elaborate strategy, but what is one of the most common phrases in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said. And whatever God told these people in the book of Acts to do, they did it. And so today we write all these books and we preach all these concepts about how we need to get back to the book of Acts. And I would agree with that in theory in that we do need to get back to the book of Acts because in Acts they actually listen to the Holy Spirit of God. They actually believe he spoke. See, we don't believe God speaks anymore. They actually believed God spoke, and when they heard his voice, they did what he said. They didn't know what they were doing. They did not know what they were doing. All they knew was that God spoke, and when they listened to him and obeyed, unbelievable things happened. Well, when Peter and John, you know, said in, in the book of Acts, it says uh, when they're in front of the council that basically they just recognized that they had been with Jesus. Yep. And so as, you, as we conclude uh, today's topic... I think that's the challenge for all the leaders out there. As you said, Perry, before God wants to do something great in us, he wants to do something great. I'm sorry. Before he wants to do something great through us, he's going to do something great in us. And primarily, uh, for those who see us, they should recognize that we've been with Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down. And the way they recognize that is we constantly recognize who Jesus is, and we constantly submit to his leadership. All right. Well, that'll conclude today's uh, Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next month.